Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> hopefully, whoa, hopefully you all had a fantastic weekend filled with uh, enjoyment. Beautiful, beautiful weather, by the way. It was amazing. Uh, so hopefully you took advantage of that, continue to do that, um, as we want to continue to live in to some of the values that are a part of our community. Uh, we are in the midst of a series on Proverbs. This is actually the fourth week uh, that we're looking at the book of Proverbs. And uh, Proverbs, we've been uh, hitting a different word or a different theme each week. And last week we talked about the idea of wise choices. How do you make good choices? How do you make choices that um, have at them the, this core idea of following Jesus into what he has called you into? So we talked about proverbial wisdom, we talked about kingdom wisdom, and uh, the way we're called to live. And really, one of the big ideas at the end of that talk was the idea of rolling the full weight of your life upon the Lord. And when you do that, the text says that you become a person of wisdom, your plans succeed, you find yourself being successful at that which God has called you to do. So commit or roll the full weight of your life onto the Lord. This morning we're talking about a different word. I'll tell you a little bit about my weekend, which will help you to understand uh, this word. Uh, <clears throat> this weekend I put on multiple hats. It was kind of fun. Uh, I coached soccer. Uh, it was kind of a side job that I do, and so did some of that this weekend. And then uh, had another wedding here at New Community, back-to-back weekends, so had another uh, out on the lawn in front of the river, another beautiful ceremony. Did that last night, it was homecoming, so I was a chauffeur to a bunch of uh, girls, freshmen. It was beautiful and weird and amazing all at the same time. So we did that last night, uh, all kinds of hats. One of the hats, the other hats that I put on this weekend was uh, a plumber. Yeah, I'm, it, you know me, you've been around long enough. Um, you know, home projects are not, not my thing, I'm not really exceptional at them in any way, but we've had this problem for a little over a week uh, where every time you go to the bathroom, you have to plunge. Just something's wrong with our toilet. Can't figure it out, so we're just plunging every time. It doesn't matter. You have to plunge. So I decided a week was long enough. There had to be something that was actually wrong. So believe it or not, I pulled the whole toilet bowl up Figured some things out. I thought I did. Put the whole toilet bowl back on. Still. Another two days of plunging everything. So, I was like, one more try. Took the whole thing off and was elbow deep, you know? Like, in there. Figuring it out. Committed. (laughs) You know? You have to. You just can't go half effort on that. You just got to go all in. And so I went all in. And uh, here's, here's why this relates to what we're talking about this morning. I believe that not this week, but the week before at small group, we have like, like 20 kids that run around at small group. And one of them, because I, I, don't, I don't think it was an adult, I'm just going to assume, but there was a large Lego piece, like... <laughs> It had to be like four feet by six feet. No, it was, it was a large piece that was not letting anything go down. And finally, I got it. 
solved it. And the whole time while I'm doing this, I'm going, man, I am so frustrated. Whoever put this massive Lego bit in our toilet and flushed it. And then I thought of today's topic. The word that we're looking at this morning is the word covers. Covers. It's found throughout the Proverbs. Let me give you two examples that you're going to find it. Proverbs 10, verse 12 says this. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Throughout the Scripture, there is this idea reinforced that love covers. You even find it in the New Testament. If you go to 1 Peter, it would say this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. The idea that we're going to be looking at this morning is the idea of forgiveness. Of being willing to take an offense and to cover it with love. And I want to wrestle with what does that really look like? What does it look like for us to be a people who can forgive? Because I think forgiveness is just a fascinating idea. It is at the center and the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. I mean, to call ourselves a follower of God requires that we understand this word, forgiveness. But forgiveness, if we're going to be honest, invokes a lot of things within us. It can trigger deep, visceral reactions. Maybe a, a face rushes to your mind. Maybe some hurt just kind of bubbles to the surface when you begin to think of the word or the idea of forgiveness. Maybe you're transported back to some place in time or some phrase that was said, some hurt that was inflicted. And as we begin to talk about it, as we begin to think about forgiveness, it just starts to unearth this path of destruction. And when we talk about it, it feels like we have to relive that wreckage all over again. Someone said this, Forgiveness is never easy. It is hard. It is the most difficult thing in the universe. Forgiveness is the most difficult thing in the universe. But I think if we're also honest, we would say that forgiveness, we could argue this, that forgiveness is also one of the most beautiful things. If you think about it, forgiveness is more powerful and stronger than any act of violence, injustice, abuse, or suffering. Forgiveness can bring healing can restore your health. It can restore families. Now this morning we're going to talk about this very deep and wide subject. And it is impossible for us to cover every angle or nuance to this idea of forgiveness. But I want to look at it through four primary words. If you're taking notes, you can jot these four words down. Wounds, debts, absorb, receive. Wounds, debts, absorb, receive. The first two 
are things that happen to us. The last two are responses that we can have. Let me pray, and then uh, we'll jump into these four words. All right, let's pray. God, this morning we are addressing a subject that goes much, much deeper than whether someone flushed a Lego down the toilet. It goes deep into the very center of our hearts and our lives. But God, I also believe that Your Word can change us as people, that we can be healed, that we can have relationships restored, that You can cover brokenness, that You can put us back to the places we were before, even after having experienced something difficult. So I pray that You would do that this morning. I pray that You would be in the miracle business again, that we would witness this week miracles in our own life of how You've moved in our heart and life to bring us to either a place of forgiveness or to bring us to a place where we seek out someone to ask for forgiveness. May you touch us this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at uh, these four words. We'll start with the word wound or wounds. Because really the first part of forgiveness has to do with wounds. Whether you believe it or not, any time you are wronged, you are handed something. So if I come to you, I wrong you, in the, in the process of wronging you, I hand you something. And what I hand you is a wound. Every time you are wronged, you've been handed a wound. So we'll take a quick vote. Don't raise your hand yet. Just a quick vote. Who in here has never been wronged? Don't raise your hand yet. Never been wronged. Here's what I mean by that. You've never been offended. You've never been hurt, abused, lied to, humiliated, taken advantage of, criticized unfairly, hit, slandered against. We could probably keep going. Raise your hand if you've never experienced any one of those or any other form of being wronged. I figured, chances are, we've all experienced it. Chances are that this is something that is for every one of us in the room. That we are all in a place where we have to ask the question, what do we do with the wound? What do you do with the wound that's been handed to you? You didn't want it. You weren't asking for it. You wouldn't desire it in any way. But when someone wronged you, you've been handed this wound, what do you do with it? I want to talk about a few of the options of what to do with the wound. Here's one of the things that we often do. If we've been given a wound and we now hold that wound, one of the first things we do is we figure out how to give it right back. I get it, and then I give it right back. Another word for that would be revenge. That I've been wounded, I carry this wound, And I want to figure out how to give it right back. It's a blow for a blow. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You may have heard of this idea before. And what you're essentially doing is, it's it's what I would call like the hot potato approach. You get it, you get rid of it. You get it back, you get rid of it. You just, you want to get rid of it. You don't want to carry the weight. And so what you do is you seek revenge. 
You figure out how, once you got it, to give it right back to the person who gave it to you. But the interesting thing about revenge is that revenge always escalates. Have you noticed that? Revenge always escalates. Just like watch, watch kids, for example. One kid will, like, they'll be joking around and the kid will poke the other kid. Then that kid, like, jabs the other kid. He doesn't just poke back, he, like, jabs. Then the kid that just got jabbed is like, oh, okay, well, I'll slap, right? And the guy goes, well, <laughs> slap, well, then I'm going to hit. And then he hits. Then it all becomes about the placement of the hit. So you get hit in the arm, and then you get hit in the leg, and then you're like, well, we're going to go for a body shot, and then hit to the gut, and then hit below the belt. And we're constantly changing where we're hitting someone. And before you know it, a kid's pulling a bat out, and is like, we just one up, right? We're always trying to one up the other person. That's the way it works with revenge. That insults become more insulting. Some slander that's been sent out becomes more scandalous when you send it out the other direction. But something that happened to you in private, you then bring out to the public. And so what happens just keeps escalating and we keep going and going and going because when we get the wound, we want to give it back. The second thing happens, and that is that we get the wound and then we hold it, or we hold on to it for just the right time. Okay? This is a more strategic approach. A little bit more self-righteous as well. And what we do is we want to give it back, but we're not just going to give it back right away. Because that would kind of take some of the fun out of it. We don't, if we get abused right away, if we get hurt in some way, instead of giving it right back, we hold on to it. And we wait for one of those moments in life where the other person has been fallen on hard times, something difficult happens, maybe they were hurt in some way, and you find that they're at a weak moment, at a time when the bomb of your wrath would best be felt. And so you wait, and you wait, and you see them in weakness, you see them hurt, and then you go, and you throw the weight then, when they're most vulnerable. So instead of giving it right back, you wait for that strategic time. And you pile on the hurt. And the thought runs through your mind that they deserved that. They had it coming to them. It was only a matter of time that they would fall on a difficulty and I will just heap on the weight. Another option is that we pass it around. So we have this weight this wound, we hold on to it. And maybe we can't give it back right away. Or maybe we can't even give it back at all. So maybe the person that has deeply hurt you has said something to you that you can never get out of your mind, has physically in some way hurt you. Maybe they've passed. They're no longer with us. And you want so badly to be able to give it back. You want so badly to unload it on them, but they're, they're dead. And so you feel like you still have that weight and you can't get rid of it. Or maybe the person that hurt you is your boss. They've been speaking about you unfairly. They've been treating you poorly. 
Maybe they're criticizing your work to other co-workers. Maybe they're encouraging people to side with them in their point of view. Maybe they wield their power in some particular way and you just feel that wound and it hurts. And every day you show up to work, it's like more hurt and more hurt. But you also kind of want your job. So you don't want to give it back. You can't give it back. You're like cut off from the ability to do that. And so here's what happens. When that happens, when we can't give it back, one of the choices we do is to, to pass it around. So let's say you hurt me and I carry that wound, but I, I can't give it back to you. And so what I do is I give it to you and then I pass it off to you and I just keep passing it off to whoever's around. And so I talk about it. I bring it up often. It starts to circulate back. I find ways where all of a sudden I just snap in anger. The trivialist matter makes me kind of go off. The anger is just kind of just below the surface, and I I feel it in there, and I try to get rid of it, and I can. And so what ends up happening is I give it away to those who are closest to me. Which the recipients are usually people like our kids, husband and wife, a classmate, your roommate, somebody that you're closest to, like a friend. And they begin to feel the weight of the wound because you've given the wound to them. You've hurt them in some way. And so we just simply pass it around. The last two are a little bit more passive. One of them is that we just carry it. We carry the wound. We have it. We've been given the wound. We hold on to it. We carry it. We keep it nearby. We want to get rid of it, but we don't. And then we get wounded again, and now we're carrying two around. And instead of getting rid of either of those, then something else happens, and then we carry another wound and another wound, and another wound, and we just keep piling them up, and we just keep holding on to them, and the weight of them just keeps getting heavier, and heavier, and heavier. And we want to let go, but secretly we don't want to let go of it. And then suddenly it starts to define us. We start to be known, or characterized, by our hurt the injustice that's been done to us. And we carry it around like a badge of honor, and yet in some way it's this heavy weight that you just don't seem to get rid of. This summer, I um, went traveling for three weeks with my family. We had to fly out of Spokane. And uh, the three weeks were like completely different weeks. We had a formal wedding with a lot of stuff going on around that. And then we had a week of vacation where we could just like chill. And then the final week we had to have a total different set of clothes for this camp and conference that I was speaking at. And so it was me and my wife and our four kids and 97 bags of luggage it felt like, right? And we're just like going through the airport with all this stuff in tow. And that's what some of us are doing. We're walking around with this incredible weight, this wound And we don't get rid of it, we don't deal with it, and it just builds and builds and builds, and you have a wound that you hold onto. The last idea is this idea of passive wishing. So you are given a wound, and you just kind of keep it back there, and you kind of hold on to it, but you felt like you dealt with it. 
You felt like you got to the place where you said, yeah, yeah, I, I've forgiven them. I'm okay, I'm, I'm past it. And yet you still hold in your heart this desire to kind of see them suffer at some level. You don't want their life to go well after they've wounded you. You're at that place where you're not like seeking revenge. It's really passive. You're not going out of your way to do something to hurt them. You're not like, like trying to manufacture that, but like you're also sitting there going, man, I, just, I hope things go awry for them. I, I hope that they suffer at some level. I'm not going to do anything about it because I've forgiven them, but you know, I kind of want their life to go real bad. And that's more of this uh, subtle, maybe we give them the cold shoulder or silent treatment when we see them. Maybe we find ways to like constantly avoid them so that we don't have to feel what we feel again. And you know that you're in this place of just passive wishing if you're unable to pray for them. If you can't like, Lord, bless them. I wish them well. If you're not at the place where you can wish them well, you're probably not at the place where you've really forgiven them. I mean, we, we say that we have. We go, oh, well, you know, yeah, I've really forgiven them. But every time their name is brought up, you get a pit in your stomach. Your hands start to sweat internally. The temperature starts to rise. And you're like, man, I'm so frustrated by them. They keep doing the same things. And they somehow, it seems like... People keep speaking well of them. How is that happening? Don't other people see the wounds that they leave? Maybe you've been at that place. See, I think forgiveness begins when we can get past even this passive wishing, this hopeful place of not wanting them to succeed. So this first word is wounds. All of us, if we've been wronged in some way, have a wound and we have to figure out what to do with it. And those are usually some things that we do with it. The second word is the word debt. See, we don't usually talk about this side. We talk about the wound side. But when you've been given a wound, at the exact same time, the person that wounded you collects a debt. They now have a debt. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Let's just assume the new iPhone 6 came out. I just got one. I'm pretty excited. I didn't, by the way, but I get one. I'm real excited. I have it on the counter. And um, if someone comes in that just loves Samsung, like Samsung's the best, they see my iPhone, they're kind of frustrated, they bump it, it falls under the ground, shatters. It's gone. Now, we understand at that moment that a debt is incurred. Someone's wronged us in some way, and obviously the iPhone is a picture of anything that could happen in your life, right? You've been wronged in some way. Somebody hurt you. There was an offense that was done, and there's something that's broken now. There's some wound that's there, but that wound or hurt incurred debt on their part. At least that's the way we think about it. We say things like, they owe us, right? So you have options again when you have debts. So if someone knocked over my phone and it broke on the ground and it shattered, there's options. And option number one is we say, well, you broke it, so you kind of need to pay for it. And they figure out how to pay 
and work off the debt. Now we're back to even again, right? You know how this is. You kind of calculate it in your mind. Well, they owe me this much. And they can work it off by doing this thing or responding that way. And so you've figured out the debt. But here's another thing that you could do about debt is that you can forgive it, right? But here's the tricky part about forgiving it. If you have this debt, it hasn't been covered, the other person didn't pay for it, and you forgive it, right? The loss still doesn't go away, right? You still don't have your phone. You might have said, hey, I forgive it, but everybody knows that if they didn't pay for it in some way, the loss of your phone or the loss of that situation is still front and center because you don't have it. Because any time a debt is incurred, somebody has to pay. And I know we're putting this in phone terms, like you've, but most of the hurt that you've experienced in life cannot be figured out primarily by economic terms. Right? Some of you have been robbed of happiness. Innocence. Some of you have been robbed of opportunities in the future. Some of you have been hurt so deeply that you're continually in this place of recovery and you always feel the loss, that you're always at deficit, that somebody didn't replace your phone. So even if you forgive it, the loss doesn't go away. Which takes us to our third word. And that is the word absorb. Absorb. So this is the third option. So when you have wounds, you've collected the wound, and they've incurred the debt. And the third word, and this is the option, is for us to absorb it. To forgive it. To basically say, the hurt stops with me. That I won't give it back. I won't pass it around. I won't wait for that strategic time where I can like just destroy them with it. I won't even just sit back passively and wait for them to fall on bad times, kind of going like, well, they deserved it. The other option is to absorb the hurt, to forgive it, to pay the debt, to take the phone that's been broken, to say I forgive it, but then to incur the loss of that phone, the cost gets absorbed by you. That's what forgiveness is. It is costly. I mean, forgiveness is refusing to make someone else pay for what they did. Refusing to make someone else pay for what they did. Canceling the debt and thereby absorbing it myself is what forgiveness does. Philip Yancey when he was describing forgiveness, he described it as an unnatural act. And he said this, I never find forgiveness easy. And rarely do I find it completely satisfying. Nagging injustices remain. And the wounds still cause pain. I have to approach God again and again, yielding to Him the residue of what I thought I had committed to Him 
long ago. See, forgiveness is always extremely costly. It's not just that debt of money, right? More than that, it's like an emotionally very expensive transaction. That when something is forgiven, it emotionally costs you deeply. The most difficult part of forgiveness for me, personally, is the emotional toil, the weight of letting it go and letting it go again and again and again because it keeps coming up and I want it to go away and I want it not to be around any longer and I want it to just, just to vanish. But each time it comes back up, I have to choose to absorb it again and it hurts terribly. Tim Keller described it this way, to forgive to willingly choose not to direct rage and fury at the people who harmed you is immensely painful. It is like a death, but it's a death that leads to resurrection. We have a choice to absorb it, but as he said, it's a, in absorbing it, it leads to death, but it is a death that leads to resurrection, which is our Fourth word is the word receive. See, to forgive is to absorb that death. The death that leads to a resurrection. And it's only possible, the Scriptures teach, it's only possible when it's rooted in this pattern that Christ sets up for us. A pattern of death, then rebirth. A pattern of death, then life. And it seems that that's Christ's pattern of forgiveness. He gets to this place where He lays it all on the line. He absorbs it all into Himself. And then in doing so, new life is created, right? Parker Palmer said it this way, The cross says the pain stops here. The way of the cross is a way of absorbing pain. Not passing it on. Not giving it back. It's a way that transforms pain from destructive impulse into creative power. When Jesus accepted the cross, His death opened up a way for the redeeming power of love. And that is the gift that we're called to receive. That's the idea behind love covers. That each of us have been given this gift of forgiveness. If we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, then we are called to forgive as we've been forgiven, right? We are called to absorb the hurt, the wound, to take it in, to deal with it, to, to feel the immense pain in the same way that Christ absorbed our debt, in the same way that He took our wound. And He created a pathway for life, but for some of us, I would argue that that is very, very difficult. To find ourselves in a place, no matter how much we feel forgiven, to get to the place where we actually are willing to absorb it. And I think Henry Nouwen's onto something when he says this Maybe the reason it seems hard for me to forgive others is that I do not fully believe that I am a forgiven person. If I could fully accept the truth that I am forgiven, and do not have to live in guilt or shame, 
I would really be free. My freedom would allow me to forgive others 70 times, 7 times. By not forgiving, I chain myself to a desire to get even, thereby losing my freedom. Some of us, I think, find ourselves in a place where we don't feel forgiven. And maybe it's that you personally don't feel forgiven, or maybe it's that you've just forgotten how much you've been forgiven. We get to the place where we go, well, you know, I'm a pretty decent person now and really haven't been forgiven that much in the grand scheme of things. So this person, what they did to me, requires some payback because they clearly are not who I am, right? We find ourselves in that place. But all of us are called to forgive as we have been forgiven. Do you realize that every time in the Scriptures that the idea of forgiveness comes up and a call for us to forgive, it's always tied to the idea that you've been forgiven. Right? The Lord's Prayer. Every time we say it, we say, forgive as we are forgiven. Forgive the trespasses, so you forgive the trespasses against us. Right? Every time. Or you read in, in passages like Colossians 3, It says this, Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Every single time. Forgive why you've been forgiven. I mean, you hear it throughout the Scriptures. He who's been forgiven much, loves much. He who's forgiven much, covers over other offenses with love. I think if we can't get to the place where we can forgive, it simply means that we've forgotten in some way what Christ has done for us. We've forgotten. And I think the degree to which we can receive forgiveness is the degree to which we can forgive. The degree to which we can receive forgiveness is the degree to which we can forgive. Let me end with this final thought. This morning we've been talking really from one particular angle about this idea of forgiveness, right? That you've been hurt, you've been wounded, you carry it around, here's maybe what you do with it. In that, someone else incurred a debt, and now you have to absorb it. You're the one that's been hurt. You're the one that's been wronged. But what happens when you were the one that actually wronged someone? What do you do then? I mean, we want to think about it primarily the other way, right? Because it puts us in the place where we're not responsible. But what do you do when you're the one that's wronged someone? Let me offer just one practical insight that maybe you guys can discuss in group this week. Talking about what does it look like when we've wronged someone. And let me start by saying this. I'm sorry is not good enough. I'm sorry is not good enough. Because that's what we do. Have you ever noticed that? Especially with our kids. My kid will do something, slap the other kid, and then I'm like, what do we say? You need to say you're sorry, right? And what do they say? It's always a deep, heartfelt apology, right? I'm sorry. And I'm like, well, no, let's try that again, like you mean it. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, again, right? 
Because I'm saying I'm sorry really has nothing to do with you. Do you notice that? It has everything to do with me. I feel a certain way about this. Therefore, I'm sorry. And I'm out. I think in order for us to be the kind of people that seek forgiveness when we've wounded someone, when we're the one that is given the wound, it requires a few things. First, it requires us to say, I'm wrong. What I did was wrong. The hurt that I gave you, the pain that I gave you, the, the uh, wound that I gave you, I was wrong. Followed by, here's how it hurt you. So I did this to you. I'm wrong. And this is probably how you felt about it. You felt betrayed. You felt hurt. You felt disgusted. You felt let down. We could go from word to word to word. You felt cold toward me. You felt like I've done this again and again and again. right? I was wrong, and this is how it hurt you. Here's my plan of how I'm not going to do that to you again. right? That's the third step. So I was wrong, I hurt you, and listen, I am going to try to do this, or I'm going to do this, so I don't find myself in a place again with you where I come and I say the same thing. And then the last thing is, will you forgive me? You seek that forgiveness. Not just, I'm sorry, but I wronged you, it was my fault. I hurt you in this way. Here's what I'm going to try to do about it. And will you forgive me? I think if we lean into forgiveness that way, as those who have hurt others, we'll find that we get to a place where we can begin to even more easily forgive. Be mindful. If you've been forgiven much, scriptures say to cover it with love. Let's pray.